For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me, as always, is Alan. Good day. And Fred. Good evening. And, guys, the stove is heating up, finally, uh, for the MLB offseason. We've had a ton of moves go down over the past week or so, and it's just its great to see it finally get going. It's, I hate that it took till we're a month out from spring training to actually get going, but uh, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of moves happen over the over the next couple of weeks, which is exciting because I think we're going to see a flurry of stuff happen, and we're starting to actually hear some rumors and actually have heard the Braves' names come up a couple of times um, to, in the past couple of days. So that's exciting. We got some a lot of stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, on a sad note, um, Don Sutton did pass away this week. Uh, at the age of 75, um, long time, obviously announcer for the Braves, but also a Hall of Fame pitcher, and just um, everybody that knows him says he's such a, a great guy, and you know one of my favorite people to listen to. Uh, so really going to miss him. Prayers and thoughts go out to to his family uh, with the passing of Don. Um, guys, any any thoughts you wanted to share on Don? I know Alan, I believe you re- wrote an article on it. Um, this week, but anything else y'all like to share on him? I did write that up and I wrote it because I really had a turnaround on Don Sutton. I did not like him <laughs> because he was always a guy who was killing the Braves because he was so good. And like, like I said in the article, I remember growing up every time it seemed like the Braves were playing the Dodgers and I got to see him on TV, Sutton was pitching and Sutton was beating the Braves. Um, it was uncanny. Uh, but at the same time, he then exited his uh, baseball life after 23 years and joined the broadcast booth. And it's like, okay, who's this guy? Why, why in the world are we listening to this enemy of the Braves? And he turned me around. He was an analyst who didn't take himself too seriously. And Lord knows we've got too many of those right now in the industry. So the fact that he was the way he was was a definite breath of fresh air. Uh, his last decade or so with Jim Powell was extraordinary. Uh, those two guys fed off each other extremely well and it made listening to the radio broadcast an absolute pleasure. It's disappointing that he had so many, uh, medical issues over the last half of his life and that's certainly taken him a lot sooner than we would have hoped. Uh, he's at rest now and he, left us as a friend, a friend of the Braves and a friend of baseball. And it was sad to see it happen. It's the second time we've lost a Hall of Fame Brave uh, guy in the last month, Phil Necro being the other. But um, these things happen, and generations pass, and there's a lot more folks like that that we could lose soon. Uh, hope hope we don't, but uh, certainly uh, that that's in my mind. 
I'll now interject here briefly because we recorded this on Thursday evening and Friday morning the news broke that Hank Aaron was one of those from the other generations that I was thinking of that uh, we ended up indeed losing on Friday morning. We'll have more to say about this in the next podcast, but uh, certainly we want to acknowledge the uh, huge loss that Hank Aaron represents to the Atlanta Braves and baseball in general. Yeah, I I, want to say, you know, Don Sutton, the Sabre guy has always poo-pooed Don Sutton as, oh, he's a compiler. Don Sutton pitched 23 years, won 324 games, the same number of games as Nolan Ryan. He finished his career with a 3.26 ERA. He had an ERA over four three times in 23 years and won the ERA title at 35 years old with a 2.2 and a 0.989 whip. This guy was a stud. And he was out there. The reason you hang around 23 years is because you're really good. Really good. He started 34, started 34 games in his 22nd year. There aren't many pitchers that do that. 11-11, that was at one of his four ERA years. And the next year it was 3.92 again. Sutton was a stud and he was a super guy. He would talk to you. He would, he's just, just one of the guys. He'd come up and talk to you and, and tell you about baseball and tell you about pitching like you were just like him. And you don't have any idea what he's talking about. You're going, yeah, man, I had a degree. Um, I really like Don Sutton. I really miss Don, really miss Don Sutton in the booth. And, uh, as, as you two have said, our thoughts and prayers that go out to his family. Um, he was a wonderful person and a, and a great member of the Braves uh, broadcast team for many years. Um, God bless Don Sutton. Let me throw out one more thing real quick. Uh, it's a stat that I was reminded of on MLB Network Radio. Let's list the guys with the most starts in Major League history. Number one, Cy Young. Number two, Nolan Ryan. Number three, Don Sutton. That's what you want out of a pitcher, a guy who goes to the post every day, year after year. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I, I tweeted out after the news broke, I mean, I'm just so glad that he became a part of the Braves family. Um, consider him obviously part of the Braves family at this point because, uh, you know, enjoyed listening to him many nights and um sad that he's gone. I know he hasn't been able to do as much announcing the past couple of years, but uh really enjoyed listening to him and I'm glad he was part of Braves country. on to the free agent news like I said it's been picking up a lot here over the past week you had DJ LeMahieu going back to the Yankees which wasn't much of a surprise um, but in the past couple of days here you had George Springer go to the Blue Jays and they finally got their big free agent that they were looking for they were trying to throw money at everybody this offseason and finally got one in George Springer and it looked like for a moment that Michael Brantley was going to be joining him but (laughs) then apparently that was not the case and he is now going back to Houston which Brantley was somebody that I was really high on for the Braves to get I thought he would have been a perfect bat for that lineup but not to be once again Um, I I thought the Braves should have got Brantley the last time he was a free agent so we'll see how it goes with Brantley in Houston but he's now off the board both of those were potential fits for the Braves, Allen, and, you know, the Braves obviously came up empty with both of them. So 
Uh, what do you think about those signings and uh, the Braves, you know, failing to, to bring one of them to Atlanta? It was a couple of weeks ago that I had sort of raised almost in a teasing fashion that the Braves ought to be on on Springer because I thought they might at least have some tax advantage over the Toronto Blue Jays. As it happens, we found out today that the Braves were actually in on Springer and in str- fairly strongly. The, the phrase from David O'Brien was that they were in it to the end which was very eye-opening, and it tells me something about what Alex Anthopoulos is actually doing. I've been the critical one, especially trying to suggest that this is the time that he needs to make the big move, that he needs to get the big signing to, to go the extra mile and do that. Now, he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't completed that, hasn't gotten across the finish line with any of these guys, but the fact that he was in on Springer to that extent suggests that that's exactly what Alex Atalpas is trying to do is, is go after one of these big bats uh, as a free agent and try and see if he can add to the lineup in that manner. That brings us to an, uh, the next subject of JT Real Muto, and I'll hold off on, a, on that for a bit, but uh, the fact that there's some activity going and there's rumors from reasonably reputable sources that suggest that uh, these things are going on is definitely exciting to me. Yeah, Fred, I mean, he, Alan talks about the article there from David O'Brien where the Braves were in on Springer until the end. That's certainly good news. You hope it's not just um, noise that – you know, somebody trickled out to the media to to get fans off of the back of Alex Anthopoulos. But, I mean, that would seem to indicate that there's money there for the Braves to spend. Well, yeah, I mean, if you figure that Real Muto is going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 24-25, then you have to say, okay, well, how does how does he get to that money, considering he's already got about $116 million on the books? Well, the way the, the only way I can see you do that is first of all he had money set aside for Ozuna at eighteen or nineteen million or wherever that comes in at. So if he's got that set aside, you take that money and then you have a wet place for Darno to go, and you add those two together, and that's how you pay for that's how you pay for him this year, and then you worry about the out years down the road. Having said that, I'm not as confident that uh, that this is. We were in a, we were in his heart. Like last year when, when they went uh, before the season started, I remember Alex Anthopoulos got on his, uh, A-list call and told everybody, said, look, we were in on all the players until the end, but we couldn't make anything happen. And it's because, and then this to be fair to him, you ha- you can't spend what you don't have. Teams have a number and they're not going beyond that number because that's where they think the value line is. Well, when you go to that number and the guy says, I want five million more, you back away. You were in it. You were in it as hard as you could be in it. Um, but you didn't cross the line. I like, I like the real Muto idea. If you can turn around and flip Darno and clear some money and use that money to maybe put somebody in left field. Um, because, uh, I'm sorry, I don't see Travis Darno playing third base. I, I don't, I, I, I like Travis Darno, but I don't, I don't want to see him at third base. Um, and, you could put it put on the bat in the lineup because uh, Real Muto's not a 30 home run bat behind who's going to play every day. You need somebody who's going to play every day with Freddie in there, uh, and he's not. He's going to play 120 games a year um, and uh, maybe in the DH and interleague and stuff. But at the same point, he's not going to be there every day. So I know how he gets to the money, um, but I don't know if it, it was ever going to be enough is the question for Springer. 
So if you look at Springer, he had to go all in for Springer on that. And then I don't know what he, where he got that money this year. Maybe he just structured the contract a little differently. But the the idea that uh, he's got all this money sitting there, if he if he puts Springer on there for twenty five or twenty eight million a year, he's at one hundred and forty one million, and that's more than they had on that's what they had on the books last year before everything went to the devil. So that and that was a stretch, and they lost money. They lost at least a hundred million last year. So I'm not sure. Where they're getting all this, where they're betting on the come, what they're doing with this, I'm all for it. I want them to do something right. I'm just, you know, I'm apprehensive about how far that line was to be in hard on him. It's not, it's not a lie to say you were in hard if it was as hard as you could go. But um, uh, I just don't know how good, how, how deep that was. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you too. I mean, <laughs> it's easy to say you you offered him 10 million less than the other guy, knowing that wasn't going to get him, and you just wonder if that's kind of the case. Um, you know, that's kind of what the stance was with Donaldson last off season too, right? I mean, they had their number. You know, they were going to offer him. You know, Donaldson. I, I still feel like really wanted to come back to the Braves, and probably wishes he would have now. But you know, the the Twins offered him more, and the Braves weren't going to budge on that, and. You know, they were in it till the end. So you wonder if it's kind of the same situation there. But, you know, Alan, there's been a lot of rumors circulating. We've kind of already touched on a little bit about the Braves possibly having some interest in Real Muto. To me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I've even seen people saying that you could sign Real Muto and put him in left field or, or another position. You don't sign the best catcher in the game and then ask him to play a different position. That just doesn't make sense. If they sign Real Muto, he's going to be your, your catcher. But I, I just don't see how that makes a ton of sense. I would certainly be on board if it happened. But you still got problems in the outfield that you got to fix. So I, I don't know necessarily where these rumors are coming from. Maybe they're just trying to drive up the price for the Phillies, who really seem to be the only team that is has any interest in Real Muto, which is weird because, again, he's the best catcher in the game you think you'd have a ton of suitors but that's the offseason we're living in so uh, i don't know alan what are your your thoughts on real muto as a fit for atlanta i think it fits better than maybe a lot of people are thinking but that said you are going to have to make some more interesting moves here let me walk through this and and see if i can explain it if you're in it on Springer, then you're in it at a level of somewhere between 23 and $25 million. He ended up getting 25 for six from the Blue Jays. Don't know what the Braves' offer was. We'll never know probably. But it had to be at least competitive to be in it to the end, whatever that means. Uh, if you're going to get it in there with Rio Muto, Supposedly the Phillies have offered five years at 110. That's $22 million a year. We know that he's trying to stretch the record for AAV. He, that would be 23. That's, uh, Joe Maurer's contract. So if you're going to make him happy, I guess, then you probably need to be in there at, uh, 23 and a half to 25. Same level as Springer, roughly. I can't imagine that they would go beyond five years. Um, that's probably okay given the durability of Real Moto, but now it does mean that you've got to figure out some other things. Here's the difference between Springer and Real Moto. If you sign a Springer, then you're signing him to fill an empty spot and you don't have any recourse in terms of funding uh, for your budget. 
If you sign Real Muto, you do, because you then effectively have to trade Travis Darnot. His contract is eight million bucks. Now that becomes an offset. So even if you spend twenty five million to go get Real Muto, uh you can knock that you can offset that by the eight million that you're gonna offload uh Travis Darnot with. So there's seventeen. Now you still got to play, find some guy to play left field, but now you've got eight million dollars or so. Again, you still had it in the budget because you had it with Springer. Now you've got this eight million dollars so that you can go out and sign at Eddie Rosario or somebody like that to play left field. So I see Real Muto as yes, there's a lot more moving parts involved. You got to do something with Darno. You got to still get a left fielder, but I think that you can make the budget work because of the the way the numbers come out. While it's still a reach, there's no doubt about that, I think that it actually would work a little bit better for the Braves overall for the for the depth of the lineup and everything else if they were to continue to pursue Real Muto strongly here. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Antopoulos is that he tends to go after the best player that he feels comfortable that he can get regardless of position. And what I mean by that is the in terms of years and amount that he feels comfortable spending on and the best player available that he can get in that place that he feels comfortable. You know, a couple of years ago, we thought Johan Camargo was the third baseman after the, the season that he had uh, prior prior to signing Josh Donaldson. Uh, we thought he was going to be the third baseman and that Antopoulos was going to go out and get an outfielder. And he went out and got Josh Donaldson, which maybe that should have told us something about Camargo at that point. But, um, you know, point being, he's going to go out and, and get the player that he feels is is the best where he feels comfortable. And if that means Real Muto is somebody that he feels comfortable giving that type of deal to and that type of money to, uh, and he's going to fill, you know, a position in the lineup of need, uh, then I think he'll go after it. I I still don't think Real Muto is, is likely. Um you know, my head's spinning trying to figure out what you were going through there, Alan, and what all they would have to do to try to make it out and work because it still doesn't feel a need. Um, you still have a, a question mark, you know, in left field, and uh, I still think there's a question mark at third base. But I think at this point it seems pretty clear, uh, Fred, that they're set on Austin Riley playing at third base. And I know you're not exactly in love with that notion, but that's what it – it seems like at this point anyway. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I want Austin Riley to succeed, uh, you know, but I, I just, I'm not confident that he's going to be able to flip that switch. Maybe he will, maybe he'll walk out there and, and hit 260 and, and, and 35 and, and I'll, I have plenty of Tabasco sauce here in case I have to eat crow. I do it a lot. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not adverse to saying I, I misjudge the guy. I right now looking at what at almost a season's full of at bats. Um, I'm not impressed. Now I am impressed with his power and his defense is good. I just don't think he hits enough. Now having said that, if I want to flip back to what Allen was saying, okay, so here's how you if you take his take him a step farther. So you bring in Real Muto and that frees up Darno, and you want a, a, a left fielder that can stick around for a while. Uh, so you go get Benintendi. And you put a, you tag a pitcher along with that. Uh, maybe you, you send a Wilson or a Wright along with Darno and another, and, and one of the Harris guys, uh, or Camargo and send them up there and bring Benintendi back. Then your lineup looks really nice. Okay. 
Uh, Benintendi's, uh, uh, his, for those who say, well, you know, it's Keith Waters, Benintendi's projections across the board except for speed, and it was a, it was a minuscule difference. He projects at a 65 future value and Waters projects at a 60. Now, all that's projection, but to say that he's not in the same ballpark as Waters is, is a misstatement. Um, and he's lost weight and got back into his playing shape from two years ago. And, uh, so you go into him, he's six million. And then maybe you take that remaining two million and you find another bullpen piece, which we certainly would like to have. Uh, but I don't think there's F4. I don't think there's uh, um, anyone out there for for uh, coming in for ten million like or eight or ten million like Green or or Melanson or any of those guys. But at the same time, that's how you would do it. Go get go to Boston, convince them to fess up Benintendi um, and uh, put him in the left field, and you've got him under control. He's he's inexpensive. He's a super defender. Uh, he plays every day, uh, and uh, he can play center field. He's done it for the Red Sox. Uh, so you've got him out there, and you've got now your outfield is nothing drops out there in, in the outfield. Uh, you've got a nice a left-handed bat. You've got Real Mudo in there. Um, it still doesn't solve the number four spot, but it's it's pretty good, and your lineup is pretty standard up and down the line. If you want to carry Allen's example to the next step down there, uh, I don't believe the Real Mudo talk. I think that it's either a ploy from the agent or it's. Um, well, we did everything we could kind of thing. I I like Real Mudo. If you get him and you can move the rest of it, yay. I just don't think that's it. Um, and I'm still worried about left field and 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 bullpen and other things. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to another topic, you know, I wanted to look at here is the obvious one is the Braves, you know, the rest of their offseason needs and kind of what's available because, like I said, the market is picking up and we're starting to see some bigger options come off the board and the Braves – Still have some pretty big needs, in my opinion. They need a right-handed uh, power bat to protect Freddie Freeman in the lineup. They need a, another left-handed bat. They only have one left-handed bat in the lineup right now in Freddie Freeman. Um, they need some better in bullpen arms uh, for the bullpen. Um, so you know, I, and they really need some depth on the bench. I mean, you you look at the the players projected to be on the 26-man roster right now, and you know you mentioned Mayfield and. Almonte earlier. I mean, those aren't aren't guys I'm hoping to get, you know, at bats during the season for the Braves unless it's you know a desperate situation, um, injury wise. So I still think there's a lot of holes, a lot of moves that need to be made for the Braves. And uh, clock clock is ticking, Alan. I just I don't know exactly what all they can get done. And there's a lot of needs out there. Obviously, the biggest need is finding that big bat. I understand that, but uh, I, th- I still think there's a lot of other little moves as well that need to be made in order to make this a you know World Series contending team, which should be the goal. Yeah, but if you're going to go after a big bat, where are you going to find it? Uh, you either got to make a, a sizable trade with somebody for somebody Colorado. we <laughs> don't know yet, <clears throat> Colorado, or you're going to have to sign a free agent and. At this point, we, we've got Springer off the board. Brio Muto's still sitting there. Brantley wasn't really a big bat, but he was at least a hitter. He's gone. And Ozuna. So I think that's the pecky orders. Investigate Rio Muto. Try and uh, see what you can do about that. And maybe your fallback option is Ozuna. I don't know that I necessarily like that myself for the long term especially, but uh, at least uh, – he would be the guy who'd be the protection in the middle of the order. So 
I mean, you, you've got precious few options at this point, uh, regardless of the calendar. And, and honestly, the uh, whole uh, off season is dragging just like we expected it was going to uh, do. So you, you've got a lot of things to do, not a lot of time to do it, regardless how you go. And uh, I do think that, by the way, I do like the Andrew Benintendi idea, if you want to go that direction too. And and either he or Eddie Rosario are both left-handed, so that, that would take care of that um, need in the lineup. But um, it's not going to be easy if you go after Rio Muto. There's no doubt about that because you've got two or three things you have to do in order to make that one work. Uh, signing Ozuda, that's relatively straightforward and easy if you want to go that direction. Um, beyond that, you just don't have a big bat, really, and certainly this uh, club has seen the value of the big bat in the lineup to, to help out in the last couple of years. I can't believe that the Braves would want to abandon that philosophy at this point, but uh, at the same time, you still still are in a position where there's not a lot of, it, of available inventory to, to go after. So it's, it's yeah, clock's ticking. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Fred. I mean, I, it almost, uh, I don't want to sound too confident in it, but it almost sounds like they have Ozuna kind of in their back pocket here. You know, like Alan's talking about, there was a kind of a hierarchy of free agents they're looking at, and then they feel like Ozuna's kind of a fallback option that's kind of how I feel about it too. Ozuna wouldn't be my number one target. I have my concerns with him long term, especially if no DH, which I feel like there will at least be one in 2022. Um, I'm beginning to think, oh, you told me a week ago, I felt pretty confident there was going to be a DH in 2021. Now I'm not quite as confident in that. So, um, but again, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of holes. For the Braves to feel, and as Alan said, the clock is ticking. Yeah, I, and you know the idea of Ozuna. Look, Ozuna is a great guy. He was superb in the clubhouse. All the players liked him, but he's a streaky player. Even when he was 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 at his best, he was a streaky player. David David O'Brien said in his piece in the Athletic today that that. Uh, the Braves understood that he wouldn't be great in left field, and he was significantly worse than they expected. That's why he de-aged all but four times. And so when you t- when you t- hear them saying he was a lot worse than we expected him to be and we expected him to play, uh, they really don't want him out there. Uh, and they really, really, really don't want him out there. That What might put him back on the team is the fact that Nobody else is spending enough money this winter. I mean, you look, uh, Nella Cruz uh, hasn't got a contract. And, and Cruz is only going to get 14. I mean, and, and frankly, he's a better hitter. Okay? Quite frankly, uh, much better. Much better hitter in Ozuna. He is older. I understand that. But, uh, and, and can't play defense at all either. <laughs> but when you look at what's out there, the, the, the premier available designated hitter hasn't got a contract. And there's an issue there. <clears throat> so if if he hasn't got a contract and he's less expensive than Ozuna, uh, where's Ozuna going to go? That's what puts him back in Atlanta. And, you know, if you can get him at three years with options, that probably flies. But, you know, I, I just don't understand how that works. If you, There's no other place to go for a bat. I mean, you, you start looking around. There was a – O'Brien said that, you know uh, – he made the comment that, well, Bryant isn't the player he was 
three years ago. Well, I don't, nobody is really, but he was trying to make the point that Brian's been hurt a lot or hasn't been hitting well when he's played. And, and that's true. I blame some of that on, on the Cubs and the way they misused him. Um, I don't think he's that bad. I just think he's a big investment for one year. Uh, and, uh, if you, if you go get him, and if you could make him take Ender back in that process, yay. Okay. Maybe we can do that. We can talk. But, um, uh, and I'm still in favor of, uh, of Brian and, and, and Hap from Chicago. I think that fits and it probably does us a lot of good, but I'm not sure that, uh, they're even talking that away. But there are, you know, the bats are Cruz, uh, uh Ozuna and then trade for somebody. Uh, and this starts to trade out there, and we start running into this, uh, okay, so you trade for Ozuna, and then you have to trade for a left fielder who can play out there unless you want to put Andrew out there late in the games, um, and then taking your big bat out of the lineup late in the games. When you might need him most is really always a bad idea. Uh, I remember uh, playing Vlad Guerrero in the outfield in, in interleague games when he was well past playing, and then that was painful, and that's what I'm afraid to see in here. So I don't know. the The league is uh, the league is sitting there. Teams are licking their wounds. They're holding their checkbooks really tight, except for Cohen in New York. And uh, it just looks like if he comes back, that's how he's going to come back. And if he comes back, he's probably coming back on Atlanta's terms. Yeah, no, I agree. And I keep saying all off season that I'm going to trust Alex Antopoulos here. He's he's pulled the right, you know. He made the right moves the last couple of seasons, at least on the offensive side of things. Uh, I'm still not sure about the Smiley signing, um, and I kind of wish we had that $11 million back, but nothing we can do about that at, at this point. Um, but if the Braves haven't made a move by this time next week, I'll kind of be surprised. It, feel, it feels like things are picking up a little bit. So I think we're getting really close to seeing the Braves' first domino piece fall at least on the offensive side of thing. Obviously, they took care of pitching early in the offseason. Alan, any other final thoughts you wanted to throw in here before we get out? Not really, except that uh, it, it certainly does seem to me that with separate rumors about separate guys that there's at least a flurry of activity happening with the Braves, number one, and that number two, cost is less of an object than we had thought, perhaps. Uh, I hope that's true. Um, some of these things, like you say, are going to involve some moving parts to make uh, really work, and that's difficult, especially at this stage of the offseason. But um, if you've got a core of guys, <clears throat> I mean, let's look at it this way. Um, if you were to add a real Muto, let's say, uh, for a five-year deal, you've got a whole lot of guys in your lineup that are locked up for a while. Um you got Pache, who'd be uh, in center field for uh, six years of control. You've got Acuna, who's uh, on his long-term contract. Albies on a long-term contract. You're going to get Freeman back. Um, Riley's under control for a while. Uh, Real Muto would be. Um, you don't have a lot to do in terms of the roster. You've got uh, cost surety and and roster surety for quite a while there, and then you just have to worry about the pitching. So um, that's not a bad thing. Um, can't discount that as as part of the motivation here. So um, that kind of a lineup will certainly compete year after year for the next five years, and I, I like that idea. So let, let's see what happens. Uh, I'm 
kind of excited to see what happens in the next week. And certainly um, a lot of these guys really do need to get signed, so it's going to be busy. Yeah, the one position we're not really sure about for the next four to five years is shortstop. And I failed to mention the fact that the Braves came to terms with A.J. Minter and Max Freed, but didn't come to terms with Dansby Swanson and Mike Soroka. So at this point, they will either be headed to a trial or the Braves will look to work out something long-term with one of them. I'm, I'm thinking there's a possibility for Dansby uh, for at least maybe the next two years of his arbitration years to get bought out. I think that's definitely a very likely situation there, but I uh, did want to make sure that we mentioned that, that um, those two uh, did not come to an agreement before the deadline, and they could be headed for an arbitration hearing sometime in February. But that will do it for this edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. As always, appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the site tomahawktake.com where you can read articles from me and Alan and Fred and a lot of other great writers that we have uh, contributing articles there at tomahawktake.com. As always, appreciate your support and we'll talk to you next week. This edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast, our third for 2021, is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. We'll call it the Trying to Make It Real episode. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants. Minute Media doesn't claim any of them. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Heartwarming. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by tomahawktake.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, and as Jake commented off-air, let's put a bubble around Bobby Cox for at least another year. Can we do that? We'll see you all out for the next inning. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.